Welcome to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and CFRC.ca. I'm your host, Timmy G, providing your weekly dose of insight and inspiration for mental and emotional well-being. Are you ready for your weekly brain bath? Let's go. Mental health news from around the globe. I'm your host, Timmy G. Looking at the news today from Global News. Calgary teens open up about anxiety at the Mental Health Summit. Emma Russell is a grade 8 student who has been dealing with mental issues for over half of her life. She says, I was diagnosed with anxiety when I was 5 years old, and when I was 9, I was put on medication for it feel like we all have it, she added. We might not all show it, but we show it in our different ways, whether that be stress related to school or friends or drama or depression, anxiety, feeling alone, not having anybody to talk to. Russell was one of over 200 students who attended the Youth Smart Youth Supporting Mental Health and Resiliency Together Summit in Calgary recently. It's designed to generate awareness of mental health topics and open a dialogue among peers. Joe Pavlich, communications leader with the Canadian Mental Health Association in Calgary, said, We are seeing that kids need support younger and younger, and I think that's part of the increased awareness. There's family stress, economic stress. Kids take on a lot of worries and they try to protect their parents, and as a result... They're holding on to a lot of stressors themselves. Organizers said the tips these students get at the summit will help create a whole school approach to supporting each other. It's about a safe environment and conversations where people don't feel like they are different and they have to carry those things alone because there's so many different situations that can be affecting the person's well-being. So we really want to make sure they know there are trusted people in their lives that they can reach out to. When they head back to their classroom, students will help spearhead initiatives with their peers, gaining skills to help themselves and others feel more comfortable dealing with mental health issues. That makes me feel really happy inside because I have personal struggles with mental health and anxiety, Russell said at the summit. Just being able to feel confident enough to share that and not hide it, I feel like that's a good message to spread to all the other people who have been hiding to know that it's okay and their feelings are valid and they do matter. Participating schools became uh, smart schools and will commit to the development and implementation of their action plans with the help of the Canadian Mental Health Association. You're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web CFRC.ca. Here is a short video, uh, sorry, audio clip. Here's a short audio clip from the Edmonton Journal looking at the effects of cannabis on mental health. This is Dr. Adam Abba-Adji, who is an Edmonton psychiatrist, speaking here for a few short minutes. To put a legalization on site and then look at the age population that we are much worried about, which is the young adults, age between uh, 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 15 up to 25. The young adults or the adolescent, is this is the time that is critical for the brain development 
is the time when the neurons of the brain are maturing, uh, the time when the neurons of the brain are pruning uh, and rearranging themselves. If you introduce cannabis at any stage of this development, it affects the rearrangement of that brain, brain cells. Over a period of time, these individuals would have an impairment in their ability to process things and therefore it can impact their learning ability. It can cause early dropout from, from, from uh, uh, educational uh, um, obligations like schools. It would affect uh, what type of job they can have. It can affect what type of relationship they can have. Some of them, not all of them, some of them have a drop on IQ of an average point of about, about 10. So, but again, this study that, that, that we're talking about had been criticized with the size, that the size of the study isn't big enough. And uh, this is generalizable because of the size of the study. Cannabis alone is neither necessary nor sufficient to cause psychosis. So it interacts with factors whether it is gene or environment. All studies that have been done, it has been quite consistent that early exposure before the age of 18 or before the age of 24 in certain studies consistently have put cannabis as increasing the risk three to fourfold of developing schizophrenia early before the age of 26. THC is psychoactive. It's what causes the hallucinations, the delusions. Okay, or the harmful or negative impact of cannabis. And then the CBD is the good part of cannabis. It's what we use for treatment of nausea in people who, have, who are taking cancer medication or in people who have decreased appetite. We need to be honest with the facts. We, we need to, to show both sides of the evidence regarding the benefit of using cannabis versus the, uh, the negative effects of, of cannabis. So when you empower young adults or the population with evidence-based information, then uh, uh, people are likely to, to base their decisions based on information that are factual. We need to invest a lot on, on public health promotion, on the negative impacts of cannabis, but specifically you know, uh, pay more attention to vulnerable population, which is the young adults. In 2017, CFRC Radio celebrates 95 years of creating Campus Community Radio in Kingston, Ontario. Over the last 95 years, CFRC's governance has evolved. Once supervised by Queen's University and later by Queen's Alma Mater Society, since 2014, CFRC has been an independent, self-governing, not-for-profit organization. Its board of directors has representation from Queen's University, the AMS and SGPS, CFRC Radio Club, and the Kingston community. Learn more about CFRC, Canada's longest-running campus and community radio station at cfrc.ca. Let's get personal. Our talk feature interview.
listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. If you'd like to access past episodes of Talk, simply go to the website, check out the archives, Wednesdays, 4 p.m. You can also access episodes of Talk through the CFRC Podcast Network. And this is uh, something that you can access usually the day after the airing of a show. So, here on Wednesdays, that show is generally up on the CFRC Podcast Network Thursday, the next day, by noon. So, very easy to access, one click. Listen wherever you are, no matter what you're doing. So today, for the interview portion, we're actually going to go down memory lane, to a degree. I wrote a document, a short ebook, not that long ago. And it's still a bit of a work in progress, but I want to share it with you today. Because I think the concepts are extremely relevant. And the primary theme of the book is important for students, people of all ages, really. Whether you're involved in sport as a younger person, or you're getting ready to head off to university, or you're at university. Maybe you're pursuing a business idea. You've just opened a business and are obviously wanting it to be successful. Or maybe you're an employee at a company that requires you to be sharp and fresh every day to complete the task that is before you. So this ebook I've written is called Cracking the Discipline Code. And if you're interested in a copy of it, I'd be happy to send it to you. Just email me, info at forgivenessg.com. That's info at forgivenessg.com. And so here it is. This is story time with Timmy G. For most of my life, I've struggled to understand what enables certain people to simply get things done while others flounder year after year? I began to wonder, do the people who struggle to remain disciplined not actually want to hit their goals? I began to ask myself this question. I knew I had goals. My personal journals are full of dreams, written and rewritten, crossed out, altered over time, and expanded. I can think back to my last year in university, almost 20 years ago, when I picked up my first self-help book. The experience left me feeling inspired and hopeful about creating an amazing life and future. Ironically, it was after university that I developed an almost unquenchable thirst for learning. I would go on to read hundreds and hundreds of books within the first few years of completing my degree. I would get so jacked up about creating ideas and plans and dreams, and I would begin to take action. I would experience some early success, and then what? Often I would get distracted. 
I would get distracted by the pull of responsibility that fills each and every day. Living, eating, breathing, working, paying the bills, and attending to the relationships in my life. We can call these essential priorities. In many ways, they enable and promote survival, paying the bills, eating, breathing, sleeping, etc. Or, after some early success, I would get defeated. Because I was a younger man at the time, didn't know that I had yet to develop the emotional resiliency required for truly manifesting the dream, both minor and major defeats would pull me off course. I simply hadn't had the time to develop the emotional stamina that can only be strengthened and honed over the course of decades. It is the development and integration of grit that enables us to know how to navigate through the difficult periods, those times when we suffer our greatest setbacks. Because it's not learning how to become more resilient through the good times that matters. It could certainly be argued that resiliency is not necessarily called upon or as important through the successes, although it is. What matters more is our ability to learn how to keep going in spite of the pain, in spite of the frustration, in spite of the hopelessness. And so as I approached my 40th year, I came to discover quite suddenly that there was a massive white elephant sitting in the corner of my life. I thought this elephant had just arrived one day recently out of the blue, but as I got more honest with myself and took a thorough inventory of the things that make me tick, it became obvious that the elephant had been sitting there for a long time. Much of modern thinking has had us believing that we are hardwired, who we are, we are who we are, and there isn't much we can do to change ourselves inwardly. Did that then mean that I couldn't change and improve? Did this mean that others who had better wiring were therefore in a better position to actually make their goals and dreams a reality? I began to wonder, are these people smarter? Are they overall just better educated? Or does it have to do with money? Throughout the past two decades, I've watched clients, friends, and family, and myself, set out on a path to achieve some goals, only to fall short. And not only do most people fall short, they barely stay disciplined past the first few weeks. Why is this? Is there a magic formula? To be sure, there are often unique tripwires along each of our paths. The primary aim of these nasty little distractions is to wave temptation in our face and ultimately sabotage us before we're even out of the gate. Can we defend against them? And if so, how? Here's a list of tripwires that can pull us off course. Sugar, candy, alcohol, drugs, pornography, television, drama, busyness, emotional wounds including bitterness and fear, regret, shame, and guilt, low energy, defleted attitude, 
and depression, anxiety, and generalized stress. I'm sure maybe you can come up with many more, but that is a good cross-section of culprits. I put out to you right now which ones might be affecting you in your life today. Now I want you to think back when you were a kid. The world, for most, not everyone, was a vivid landscape of infinite wonder and possibilities. Did you ever think that the above list could have the power to overwhelm your raw spirit and prevent you from accomplishing your goals? As we evolve into adulthood, one thing is for certain. Life as an adult is much more complicated than when we were kids. One is a life of very little real responsibility. The other is full of stressful pressures that never seem to let up. So what can we do about this? And what is the secret to discipline? When I personally cracked what I call the discipline code, everything began to change for me. Here is a list of things I was able to accomplish once I understood the code. I stopped all alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, and coffee, although I will be completely transparent. I started drinking coffee two times since quitting all the other things and recently decided to quit coffee again, knowing that for me it was having a controlling uh, influence on my personality and my decision-making. And so I've given it up again about two months ago. Number two, I finished, published, and launched my first book. Number three, I got into the best shape of my life. Number four, my wife and I experienced some problems in our marriage several years ago. We decided to seek counseling as a result, and after a year of counseling at that time, this would have been almost a decade ago, through some of the things that I learned through that process, and also applying discipline, we were able to drastically improve our marriage, which was on the verge of collapse. And more recently, uh, finished the completion of a 12-song album that I worked in the studio on with uh, Ryan Lewis at Elevation Music Studio here in Kingston. And so let me be clear here, my interest in the subject of discipline and sharing it with you today is not so that I can tout my own accomplishments, it has nothing to do with that. It's really about providing some examples uh, some things that I've been able to do uh, by consistently applying discipline in my life, something that has been a challenge for myself and many others that I witness. And so the interesting thing about secrets is that once we learn them, we see that they're not really secrets at all. We often already know the correct actions or responses, but we have either underestimated their magnitude or overestimated the value of something else. We can fall into a trap in our thinking that goes like this. Oh, that sounds too simple to be useful, let alone highly effective. And so we stop applying it. No wonder our efforts fall apart. And this is the key. Sure, it's about the actions we take, 
but it's often more about our inability to consistently take repeated actions over a prolonged period of time. I could ask you, what's more effective toward a goal of saving $1,000? To save $10,000 to save ten a day or $50 a day? You might say, well, it depends on how quickly you want or need to save $1,000. On the other hand, if your situation is such that you can't keep up with saving $50 a day, which would maybe be the obvious answer, then you will quit at some point. If your situation is more appropriately tuned to saving $10 a day, then you will be more likely to stick with it. So our approach to saving $1,000 definitely depends on two things. Number one, how quickly we want to save $1,000, and two, how much we can afford to save on a consistent basis. If aiming to save $50 a day is going to create large amounts of stress in your life and cause you to quit, then this option wouldn't be wise. If saving $10 a day is more realistic and actually leads to you to your goals, then obviously this is the best option. But here's the thing. Regardless of whether you pick option 1 or 2, the bigger issue is that even with the option we have chosen, we still struggle to stick with the plan. And to state the obvious, it's not because the amount of money we have chosen to save becomes the problem. The problem has to do with what is going on inside us. So what exactly is the discipline code, and how can you go about cracking it? The discipline code really is simple. First, let's break it down by revisiting a few definitions. Discipline, the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. Code, a system of words, letters, figures, or other symbols substituted by other words, letters, etc., etc., especially for the purposes of secrecy. If you were trying to crack the code on the lock of a safe, you would need to know two things. Number one, what the numbers are, and number two, the sequence or order in which they need to be applied. Once you know the numbers and the correct sequence in which they need to be applied, these being the two elements that make up the recipe, if you will, you can crack the code and open the safe. But before we go on, we need to talk about a word that has gotten a terrible rap over the years. It is a word that is crucial to your success with remaining disciplined in your life. I will go into more detail about how we can effectively disarm this powerful word uh, when discussing decoder problem number two. There are different reasons why some of us shudder at the mention of this word. Some of us feel that by activating the power of this word in our lives, somehow we are being less dignified. But not so. There is both beauty and power in this word. We expect our kids to align with it, we expect employees to adhere to it, and we expect married couples to commit to it in a variety of ways. If you haven't already thought back to our earlier mention in this uh, dialogue, are you ready for me to reveal this word to you? Okay. Are you sitting down? Here's the word. Obedience. Now let's revisit the definition of this powerful and beautiful word. Compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. So let's keep breaking this down and see where it goes. 
Another word that many people struggle with is submission. Again, they feel that by submitting to something other than their own authority, they are acting less dignified because of a presumed power imbalance. They would argue that creating a power imbalance is demeaning and unhealthy. I am here to argue that this is simply not always true. Sure, there are examples in life of when being obedient and submitting to another's authority is not healthy, but that's not what we're talking about here. Let's clear away the fog and zone in on the central point. What we are talking about is how to submit and remain obedient and committed to the game plan that will lead you to your goals. What we are talking about is how to be compliant to an authority greater than you, and that authority, in this case, is called your dreams. In my life, I may also submit to an authority called God, who is the designer and source of all things me. But if that doesn't work for you, then recognize that you must submit to another authority, and let's call that your dreams, or even your game plan. You are here to serve your dreams. Your dreams aren't here to serve you. That is a key distinction. You will learn more about the essential importance of this essential dream realization quality when we get to decoder problem number seven. All right, decoder problem number one. Here it is. This doesn't apply all the time, but at certain points it may very uh, specifically apply. Decoder problem number one is whatever you want, you just don't want it bad enough. Now that may sound simple and trite, but let's learn, let's unpack that a little bit more. Throughout history, volumes have been written on the importance of desire. But it's not enough to just want something. You must be at a point in your life where you, you are so fed up and sick and tired of peddling the same nauseating story that you are literally feeling angry about it. If you aren't feeling angry, nothing will move. Why? Let's say instead you're feeling sad and a little frustrated about your inability to remain disciplined on the path of your dreams and goals. While sadness and frustration might give way to anger, which is the boiling point, if you are stuck on sadness, nothing is going to change right now. You are better off taking the time to understand what the sadness is about. Sadness does not necessarily provide the necessary groundswell of inner energy required for compelling you to stand up taller than ever before to take your life more seriously right now. Sadness should give you pause. Anger can compel action. Further, we need to be willing to make a series of different sacrifices on behalf of our dreams. Many people think sacrifice is an icky word. The definition is as follows, and I have abbreviated it for our purposes. Sacrifice an act of surrendering a possession as an offering so that something else can occur. So, let's look at a few examples. Are you willing to decrease or sacrifice the amount of TV you watch every night in order to accomplish your goal? Are you willing to increase or sacrifice the amount of time working on your plan so that it is complete and sound? Are you willing to spend less money or sacrifice uh, dinners out so that you can take that necessary course? Are you willing to eliminate or sacrifice certain foods from your life so you can look and feel better? If you aren't willing to make sacrifices, nothing will change. Decoder problem number two, an attitude of entitlement. 
When you do something that you say you won't do, what is the source of the betrayal? Have you considered it this way? That when you go against your goal or your plan and break from being disciplined, that you are committing a betrayal against yourself? When you betray yourself, even in small ways, will you do? what do you think it does to your dignity and your self-respect? When I was trying to stop drinking but would rationalize my decisions and have just one drink here or there, I was betraying myself. After I did this long enough, it became more difficult to sit in my own skin. I had to work harder and harder at re reinforcing my blind spots in order to avoid the painful reality that I was creating inwardly and outwardly. When I would begin an exercise plan with an objective to avoid certain foods, but then find myself rationalizing my behavior after a few weeks just so that I could indulge my desire for said food, I was betraying myself. Why have we enabled the betrayal of self to be so rampant in our daily experience? I'm here to tell you that when you rationalize in the moment so that you can indulge a desire that violates your goals, it matters. It doesn't just matter a little, it matters tremendously. The problem you are creating for yourself is an orientation toward the realization of your goals where your pattern of behavior is to cheat. You can say you are cheating just a little bit, but tell that to the discipline gods. Cheating is cheating. So let's stop lying to ourselves, just for a minute. Let's stop acting as if we are forging ahead with total integrity on the path of our dreams, because in truth, if we are cheating, we are not. We are creating a smokescreen that barely convinces both ourselves and the people around us that we are intensely serious about making our goals actualized. I often hear people say, Oh, I would love to lose weight, but I just love food too much. That's not very enlightening. I guess other people are able to self-motivate and achieve their health, nutrition, or fitness goals because they just don't love food all that much. Instead of responding in the above way, what if we responded with more integrity? What if we said, Oh, I would love to lose weight, but I haven't figured out a way to stop betraying myself. When we use language that cuts through the surface chatter of life and more accurately reflects what we are doing, we should be compelled to take pause. We should be compelled to be deeply concerned that a cupcake has the ability to move us toward fits of self-betrayal. Is it okay to betray yourself? And when did it become okay to do so? For how much longer will you continue betraying yourself? What do you think these acts of betrayal do to our sense of dignity? Will they lower it? What do you think lowering our self-dignity does to our confidence? It diminishes it. What do you think repeatedly doing this year in and year out does to our resolve to go out into the world and be a powerful force for change. It eats away at it until our resolve is so eroded that we can merely barely make it past one day without cheating a little bit. Seriously? Is this the best that we can hope for? Are we not more powerful than this? We get taken down by a cupcake? Yo-yo discipline is not discipline. When our resolve has so many holes in it that it looks like a stale piece of Swiss cheese, we have a serious problem, but worse and more tragic is that we will never achieve our goals. Just a bunch of half-starts. That will be our destiny. So I ask you, is this okay with you? Because if you're listening to this, 
I will assume that you were drawn to continuing to listen because there's something compelling in this for you. The reason you are wanting to continue listening is because you want to better understand discipline and the way that it's you're struggling to be to remain disciplined. Do you always want to be the half-start king? What about the barely-begin princess? Doesn't it make you angry to think of your life in these terms? It surely makes me angry. In fact, I found it embarrassing. But if we don't adequately diagnose the problem, the solution is irrelevant. Entitlement leads us to believe that we can have the cupcake and still hit our goals. In some respects, this may be true if we're very disciplined in other parts of our life. But if we're trying to lose weight, it's, it creates conflict within. In reality, an, an, an attitude of entitlement is not an attitude of humility. Entitlement causes us to manufacture the same old status quo version of discipline that has been at work our entire lives. Sacrifice a little bit here or there, but don't actually dig down and actualize a form of discipline that enables us to change through the process and become more. That's the bigger problem here. We want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to not really have to shift anything inside permanently. Translate, we want to stay the same. But we still want to make our dreams come true. And in spite of this, we have to ask, can you see that this equation is hopelessly flawed? Do you ever hear people say, I live by the philosophy of moderation. I don't deny myself anything, but I try not to overdo it either. Maybe you are one of them. The problem with this is that underneath what sounds to be a reasonable philosophy toward life is actually a set of beliefs designed to never put you in the position of having to say no. But the next time you hear this, step back and take an inventory of what that person has accomplished in their life in the way of dreams and goals. Do you ever hear them talking about their dreams and goals at all? Do you find it odd that they don't seem to have accomplished much per se, but they are advocating for the behavior patterns that have not enabled them to realize their financial or other goals in their life? Do those same people complain about not having enough money? Do they complain about not having enough time to do the things they want to do? And now doesn't it seem rather odd that rather than change their behavior patterns, which very much includes their discipline or lack thereof, they cling to a philosophy of moderation while complaining about the lack in their life. This is a smokescreen. Don't believe it. Don't buy it. Don't bring it into your life. An attitude of entitlement will keep you reaching for the things that hijack your goals. When we continually half-cheat due to our uh, attitude of entitlement, we become less. And so, it is important to look upon our lives with compassion as well. I'm reminded of the story of the stonecutter. People would walk by this man every day for years and see him smashing a hammer into this massive piece of stone. What is he doing there, they wondered. Is he doing anything? After ten years of chipping away with what appeared from the outside as aimless, ineffective actions, the stonecutter goes on to reveal a beautiful statue. You certainly will experience a series of half-starts in the first few years, maybe even the first decade of your life, when you're pursuing a goal. This is all part of the process. But so long as you keep chipping away year after year, your masterpiece can and will be revealed for all the world to see. 
All right, you're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. We are talking about discipline today. I'm revealing some uh, decoder problems on the path of discipline, whether we're pursuing a goal, a dream, what have you. Um, there's some decoder problems in cracking the discipline code. And so an ebook that I wrote not that long ago, going through some of what I consider to be some of the most common and crucial decoder problems. Number three, timing. How long have you been feeling frustrated, sad, or angry about your inability to consistently move forward? Has it been a few months? A few years? How about 10 years? From my experience, the longer the better. Why? Because the longer it's been, the more disgusted we become with ourselves. Sure, that's a strong word, but we need strong words now if we're going to get to the root of discipline and make it stick in our lives. We need wake-up words. We need anything and everything that is going to shake us out of our apathy and compel us to begin being our best for this world. Another ten years is going to pass in a flash, and then it might be too late. If you are reciting in your head, it's never too late, I want you to know that it won't be this way forever. You might feel young and agile today, like you are still 25, but life can turn on a dime. And don't let the it's-never-too-late notion distract you away from the present moment in an effort to not take compelling action right now. You might say, I'll start in a few weeks. After this major holiday passes, I'll really get going. If I may be direct yet kind, all of this is nonsense, because likely they are the lines that you have been feeding yourself for the past 5, 10, or maybe 15 years. How long is long enough? For me personally, I got so sick and tired of hearing myself say these things to myself. Who was I kidding? It takes great courage to be disciplined. Being able to summon the necessary res reserves of courage for this trip is directly proportional to your desire. Do you want what you want bad enough? How do you know that this time it's true? How long will it remain true? I want you to think of the last time you made a decision to stop doing something in your life forever. I want you to think about why absolute commitment is essential to dream realization and why being able to strengthen your ability to say no to certain behaviors in your life inadvertently but directly means that you are saying yes to something else. We humans have a hard time with saying no thanks because it makes us feel deprived. We don't want to feel deprived. So we rationalize and reorganize our thought patterns in favorable terms and say, yes, please. But if you can get clear that saying no to some things, insert whatever it is that hijacks your goals, means that you are saying yes to other things, insert the actual accomplishment of your goals, then you will begin to feel less deprived and more fulfilled. But you have to give it time for the feelings of deprivation to dwindle and the feelings of fulfillment and self-dignity to expand. And I don't mean give it time as in, well, today is Tuesday. I think I'll give it until Saturday to see if the feelings of deprivation go away and the feelings of fulfillment take root. If not, I might as well continue betraying myself and return to the status quo. When I set a goal to quit drinking for 12 calendar months, which led to a decision after the first 12 months to continue to stop drinking, I absolutely felt like I was being deprived. 
I was losing something that had filled a considerable space within my life for over 28 years. When major holidays would roll around, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, the summer, I found myself getting moody. Even though I knew I was making the decision free and clear and no one was forcing me to stop drinking, I noticed that I was resentful of the people around me who were drinking. Why? Because it shone a light on my feelings of deprivation that were bubbling to the surface. It is at these crossroads, these crucial moments of decision-making, that the realization of our destiny is either strengthened in time and place or abandoned as we rejoin the group, crack a cold one, and massage our oversensitivity to needing to belong. As I continue to stand rooted in my belief that God, my life, the universe has a larger plan for me, and that my repeated indulging was preventing me from tightening up my constitution and therefore my ability to actually realize that plan, I found myself more capable of saying, no thank you. If you don't ever lay down a track in your life, in general and in your thought patterns and emotional responses in particular, that drives your life in the direction of being able to say both yes at the right times and no at the right times, you'll consistently flounder along the path. As you take a deep and honest inventory of the things that make you tick, how you respond to sugar, alcohol, drugs, TV, porn, salty snacks, emotional pain and upset, defeat, etc., and the impact they have on you, is the timing right to drive a stake in the ground and commit to eliminating some of these disciplined destroyers from your life? Is it worth taking the chance that there might never be a better time? You're listening to Talk on CFRC 101.9 FM and on the web, cfrc.ca. We are going through some uh, discipline decoder problems, cracking the discipline code, different things that get in the way of us remaining disciplined in our lives. Here's decoder problem number four, lack of preparedness. Many people set out to accomplish major goals in their life, and their approach is akin to showing up at a pajama party wearing running shoes. Uh, more clothing, please. In our case, and since we know that accomplishing anything of substance and value requires considerable focus and effort, we need to consider, consider several things. A start date, finish line, and how we will actually physically, mentally, and emotionally respond when we hit an obstacle. For example, when I decided to quit drinking alcohol, I knew that every social situation from now until the end of my life would be potentially filled with people asking me if I would like a drink. I had to consider and pre-establish what I would think, say, and do in that moment time after time. I had to be prepared for any cajoling from friends and family. I had to be sharp. I had to know my next move before others made theirs. My dreams and my dignity were too damn important to slip up by not being prepared. Sure, it might be no big deal to slip up once in a while, but ultimately, that's not discipline. It is, however, convenience and indulgence, two things that have prevented you from accomplishing whatever it is that you say you desire. Our goal here is not to crack the discipline code once in a while, but to become such a master of discipline that we can get ourselves to accomplish anything as we determine. And no, it's not necessarily about being perfect all the time. But it is about being perfect some of the time, and often for longer periods than you're used to. Now you might say, 
Well, if I have to be perfect, I don't want what's at the end of this road anyway. And besides, trying to be perfect is not realistic. B.S. Did you see it happen? Just now, like less than three seconds ago. I saw it. Do you want to say it or should I? Sure, I'll say it. What happened is your moderate self attempted to lull you back into the status quo. If you are going to succeed on the path of your goals and dreams, you have to become more attuned to when this part of you is attempting to regain control and sabotage you. Before you stomp and shout and flush your dreams down the toilet, activate your emotional maturity reserves and remember that dreams require more of you and different parts of you. Don't resign your dreams to the end-of-life regret that is sure to be staring you in the face when you're too old to stand up and all you can do is peer at the wall and wonder what could have been. Discipline mastery is about being able to get yourself in the proper mindset at will in order to do great things in the world. Great things don't have to mean making a million dollars, running the largest company, or being the best politician that ever lived. It could be being a great parent, being consistent, acting with integrity, and being a wonderful friend. Doing great things for your community, which may be the size of a city that's 20,000 people. Too much time is often lost on the way to the fridge between episode 2 and 3 and season 4 and 5. I can already he hear your and mine, because I've been through this many times before, it's the only way that I can write about it, hear the entitled self saying, but I worked hard today, I deserve to watch a little TV. Sure, that's no problem. Just don't be surprised when you get to the pearly gates and God asks you why you never succeeded in elevating to the next stage of your destiny, and you have to respond, I just couldn't find the strength to pull myself away from endlessly watching fake stories told by fake people, on-screen fabricated characters on a black box made of metal and plastic. You can do better. In fact, the world needs your best. Decoder problem number five, over-preparedness. Some people are so afraid of actually starting something that they indulge in endless preparation. Rearranging, revisiting, rethinking. All of this and more can kill dreams faster than a magnifying glass on a praying mantis in the middle of the Sahara. Set your start date first. If it's two weeks out, then you know you have two weeks to prepare, whatever that may entail. Don't say that you will set your start date after you are prepared. Six months will pass and, pass and you will still be staring out the window wondering if it's going to snow. But let's consider some hard questions. I love the hard questions. They force us to cut through the fat that interferes with sharp thinking. The hard questions clear away the haze that has settled into our minds. This haze causes us to think about ourselves and our decisions in one way, but once the fat and the fog are uprooted, we begin to instantly see with clarity again. We immediately understand that we have been thinking about ourselves and our decisions in a way that has been leading us down the path to mediocrity. Do you think the world's most inspiring and powerful leaders get to that point by betraying themselves every few days, by cheating on discipline? I've said before, and I will say it again, if we want to meet our future selves at the junction called accomplishment, we need to understand that we need to become a different person than we are who we are today in some respects. Sure, we ultimately retain many elements of ourselves as we go through life, but there is a metamorphosis that occurs. But are we changing in the right ways, the necessary ways, in order to arrive at our future successful selves? If you're not living the dream, then the answer for you, and for me, and for so many others, is a resounding no. Now you might say, 
But Timothy, my brother, I have been working on myself for five years. I have been studying and reading and taking courses. I am so close, I can feel it. I am doing what I need to be doing. And I would respond, How do you know that you are doing what you need to be doing? And then I would ask, How do you know that the part of you that has you convinced you are doing what you need to be doing is not actually a part of you that really desires to do a little but ultimately maintain the status quo? How long do you want this process to take? Most people start strong. They are disciplined and consistent for the first few weeks, maybe even the first few months. Their consistency meter, the number of repeated actions taken over a specific period of time, looks like this. Many uh, decisions made and many accomplishments in the first month. And then as time goes on, we may hit a few roadblocks and lose momentum, and the consistency of our actions becomes much more sporadic. The space between each decision becomes greater. This means the pace at which we are putting logs in the fire decreases. When this happens, momentum continues to slow. We then settle into the dream pursuit comfort zone. We start approaching our decisions not in terms of what is required to meet the goal, but now in terms of what is required to not rattle our comfort zone. We continue this pattern for months, years, maybe even decades, all the while telling ourselves that we are passionately pursuing our dreams with sufficient discipline to make them real. But the lies, the smoke screens, the cheating, the betrayal must all stop at some point. It is the only way. We can't have any more delusions. No more two days on, one day off, or two days off, one day on. I mean, when I began to see myself living in this way, and it is only that I can articulate these ideas because I've lived them for 40 years, I felt ill and gross at first. But I also felt hopeful. I had to accept that a new part of me had to come forward for the next leg of the journey. And maybe not so much necessarily new, but dormant. Do you feel yourself being agitated by what you're hearing? It's my greatest hope for you that the answer is yes. Because when we begin to get agitated, it means something is being scratched within us that needs to be scratched. And then it needs to be uncovered and exposed. And what needs to be exposed is our relentless tendency to slip back into the inertia of a mediocre life that consists of telling ourselves we are powerfully pursuing our dreams when in fact we are not. We are not even sort of powerfully pursuing our dreams. Maybe not even a little bit. Decoder problem number six. Hypersensitive to the opinions of others. Time has taught me that sharing our plans with other people can not only be poor judgment, but dangerous. As humans, we are social beings. It's natural to seek approval. It's part of our need for security. But when it comes to manifesting and realizing your greatest destiny, nothing at times could be further from the truth. This goes back to desire, and whether you are at a place in your life where you truly want what you want bad enough. Your dreams are your dreams. They are unique to you. They can be they can only be accomplished by you. Sure, other people are part of the equation along the way, but let's not lose the point here. This is why so many people abandon their dreams, content to discard these precious gems in the dustbin of history. They share them with other people too soon, people aren't overly enthused or are downright negative, and then what happens? The dreamer begins to think that she is on the wrong path. Maybe her ideas were ill-conceived. Maybe she should just play it safe and not tamper with the status quo that surrounds her. And like that, 
The precious gold that was put in your heart by God on the day you were born is stolen by thieves who don't even care about gold. Is this starting to make sense? All of this and more are the reasons it can feel so lonely to pursue the dream. You gotta protect that thing, guard it like it's your firstborn. Too many people can't handle this part of the path. The loneliness begins to drive them crazy. We are overly dependent on approval from others, so we go out and start spewing our ideas to anyone with a hanky and a heartbeat. Our dreams deserve and require more respect. Through respect, we remain dignified. If you can fight through these periods of loneliness, you can crack the discipline code. Decoder problem number seven. Lack of humility. I love to say that dreams don't come easily or cheaply, but through discipline and humility. We are consumed by a culture that wants everything completed now. Our technology has trained us to think this way, and it has given us permission to expect that our emotional needs can and must be satisfied immediately as well. Not so. Don't fall for it. This partly explains so much of the stress in people's lives today. If their expectations and their pursuit of the dream can't be met sometime within the next few days, they move on to something else, or worse, they throw a tantrum. I know. I do this. Does this describe a spiritually and emotionally mature person walking through life with humility? They shout that the world isn't fair and that other people are to blame for why their life isn't turning out better. This is all nonsense. To be sure, you won't be needing a diaper for this trip. May I suggest sunglasses, however? We are engaged in a grand process of discovery. Ultimately, we don't truly know where or how our lives will end up. There is so much that we do not control. But divine providence is at hand, and we can take comfort in the fact that if we do our part, divine providence and the universe will kick in for the balance of the tab. It's a partnership, and it doesn't happen any other way. Let's remind ourselves of the def definition of humility. The quality or state of not thinking you are better than other people. The quality or state of being humble. And humble means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. I think humility is better expressed by the lyrics of U2 from their song, City of Blinding Lights. The more you see, the less you know. The more you find out as you go. I knew more then than I do now. So let's recap. If you want to crack the discipline code, you need to, one, know specifically what you want, why you want it badly, and what you will sacrifice in order to achieve it. If you aren't at that point where you are crying out for, for the universe or God or your, your path to show you the way, you've got to figure out how to get there or invest your time and energy in a different direction. Life is too short to get coddled by a false reality that does its job to convince you that you are disciplined and powerfully pursuing your dream when in fact you are not. Take a long, honest look at your attitude of entitlement. How is it causing you to reach for things that are hijacking your goals? You need to fight for this. It's that simple, and it's not going to be easy. Reaching for the cupcake is easy, and it's a form of self-betrayal. Stop. Feel the pain. Learn from it. Rise above it. 3. Consider if the timing is right for you to pursue your dream at this point in your life. Can you begin to chip away at it on the side in some piecemeal but deliberate way? How will you go about that? Number four, get prepared. Set a starting date. 
a finish line and create your plans starting now. How will you approach tripwires along the way? What will you do and say to remain successful? 5. Don't over-prepare. Life is happening now. Ten years can vanish in a flash. Trying to prevent you from the experience of standing at your window with a sullen gaze, wondering when it might snow. Number 6. Learn how to act in spite of the opinions of others. People do love you, but they are hopelessly under-equipped to know how to handle and care for your dreams. Keep the gems in the bag. It might be a while before you are popping those beauties out at a party. And it's better this way. Learn how to grow through this necessary requirement in self-control. Number seven, learn humility and live it daily. There's no way around it. The path can be windy and treacherous. It takes a long time to become a butterfly. But don't let that disarm you from joyously pursuing both flight and beauty. Make it count. Be patient. Expand your vantage point and stay in a constant state of openness and learning. I really hope that through some of the listening today, you feel inspired in a renewed and honest way. You really were born to do great and wonderful things. Deep down, I hope you too are really starting to believe this. No one else can believe it for you. Are there things standing in the way of you seizing a hold of this belief and actualizing it in an authentic way in your life? I want you to take some time to reflect on that. Just a reminder, tomorrow evening, Thursday, at 1111 Taylor Kid Boulevard here in Kingston, mind well the group that I facilitate, a free drop-in group for anyone dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, or any other types of things in your life, free to stop by for an information session, 7 p.m. in the hall at 1111 Taylor Kid Boulevard. See you then. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.